Wedding photographers and welcome to Wedding Photographers Unite, episode number 128. I'm one of your hosts, Andy Buscemi, the self-proclaimed professor of photographic pontifications in good company with the chatty Cathy of the Hudson Valley, Mr. Jimmy Ferrara. Hi, everybody. You ran out of breath there, son. Halfway through <laughs> Did saying you see that, that long intro. Yeah, you I saw were that. Like, I was oh, I was doing like a different like like pacing of that whole thing. So. I know it's good though. It's, that's good. You you did it in one. You did it. You 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 ran that last stretch of the mile and crossed the finish line. And then here we are. Yeah, so, maybe I'll try it all in one breath. Good. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So and then we're also joined by uh, the good neighbor of good neighbors, Ms. Lindsay Dario. Lindsay, hello. Hello. And we have a special guest uh, today that uh, you uh, brought on the show. Do you want to if you maybe introduce her and then maybe she can tell us a little bit about herself? Yeah. So uh, I have I have with us. I have invited with us. <laughs> I, guys, I'm not firing on all cylinders Words. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leah Haydock is with us. And I know Leah through our friend from a couple months ago, Carla Tonike, who was a guest on our show. And Leah and I met fairly recently. We, we've crossed paths before at conferences, but we didn't actually connect uh, until Carla put us together in the same house in Vermont. Mm. <laughs> and we've become fast friends. So uh, I thought Leah would be a good addition to the show this week. She's spoken at a number of different conferences and workshops and so forth and has all kinds of good things to offer. So say hi, Leah. Hi. Hi. Thank you guys for having me along. This is fun. Fun way to spend a Wednesday evening. Yeah, right. It is. Um, so uh, Lindsay, when, when Lindsay sent me the uh, the podcast that Leah was on recently, and um, I feel like it's so good. It's really, really just so good. It's such a, it's um. It, first of all, if people haven't heard of the Moth Podcast, actually, Leah, do you want to just maybe tell people a little bit about the the podcast and what what you did on there? Um, yeah. Yeah, um, so The Moth, if you haven't heard of The Moth, The Moth is a nonprofit. It's a great organization, and they do live storytelling um, events around uh, not even just the U.S., around the world, actually. And um, so they have different kind of events, but the sort of most basic one is a Moth Story Slam, and it, and you can go to that. Um, they're all over the place. They're so much fun, and anyone can put their name in a hat, and if your name gets chosen, you have exactly five minutes to tell a story live with no notes. Um, and it has to be like a true event. Mm. And um, at the end of the story slam, one winner gets chosen and then they go to a grand slam, which is kind of like 10 story slam winners. Mm. Um, and then they also do like some main stage stuff, but it's, it's great. They have like a lot of educational um, stuff that goes on as well. They do storytelling classes in schools and mm. with attorneys and all sorts of stuff. So it's the it's the February fourteenth, the Valentine's Day episode uh, that Leah was on, and it's really really good. And I almost feel like you should like stop and just go listen to that because it's really good and it's short. It's like what is it? Ten, <laughs> it's ten minutes, some, right? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. The, my my story's like I went over by a few minutes. So I think it's like six minutes and something. But yeah, the podcast. It's there's another guy who's telling a story too. So yeah. it's it's a fun little. It was a fun little. Uh, yeah, yeah. Check, check out the moth, the February fourteenth episode, and and so now. But besides that, um, can we just get a little bit of your background? I, I was looking at your about section on your website. You've got 
you've done quite a few things there uh, over <laughs> over a number of years as a wedding photographer. Can you give us a little bit of the background? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my like my background background is actually in genetics and pharmacology, which is not really Ooh. conducive to no, wedding. I, I like it. I'm a science nerd. So, yeah, that's cool. We <laughs> yeah. can talk about that, too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did like genetics and pharmacology and then I worked in um, like the corporate world for a, a, probably 10, 12 years. Did you like um, it or hate it? The genetics thing? Were, were you like um, were you like manipulating like DNA and CRISPR and all that stuff? CRISPR wasn't around then, I'm sure. Right. But. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the sort of theory of genetics, but as soon as I realized I was going to spend most of my life in a lab with fruit flies, I was mm. less enthused. Yeah. So um, I switched over to pharmacology and then ended up in the medical device corporate world for many years mm. before before waiting until the Great Recession of 2008 to open my wedding photography business. Oh, that kind uh, of inspired me too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and everyone was like, oh, you're going to leave a director of marketing job to become a wedding photographer? Good luck with that. Yeah, um, same. But yeah, I, um, you know, I, some of it was luck, some of it was hard work, some of it was, you know, just having amazing clients. And um, yeah, now, now 2020, I'm still doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, cool. Well, then let's, uh, we'll just get into a little bit of a roundtable where we're at, what we've been having going on recently. And uh, Jimmy, how's it going? Yes. What's, uh, what's going on right now? Where, what are you up to? How's your season um, shaping up to be? How, what's 2020 looking, looking like? Because it's... Uh, it's looking a little like meh. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like, whoa, this is great. It's just, it's, it'll pick up like it always does. But mm-hmm. uh, it's nothing, um, it's nothing, I'm not, nothing to brag about. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to push more of my studio to rent out, like I talked about in the past. Cause I think that's a great avenue to do for a space that is is awesome and doing nothing when I'm not there. So nothing to do with wedding photography. But uh, I don't, you know, slow season. It re- just recently, this uh, dad called me up um, with uh, he needed images from a wedding that took place ten years ago. I shot hmm. in November. Okay. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, as I'm talking to him, I'm like, I used to be with Pictage. If you, if you ever knew Pictage, it was the pioneer of, uh, yeah, 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 Leah, you know. So it was a pioneer of the online gallery like we're so used to now. But what happened was, as this is my guess, is that they just sit back, boom, boom, foot on one foot, over the other foot, over the desk, rolling in the cash, never, never updating anything. And then it got to the point where like, okay, uh, this is a little behind. And then they stopped doing phone uh you couldn't call them they had no no one to answer the phone calls i'm like that's it i'm out and i started looking around and then sure enough they went bankrupt so uh i'm now shoot proof i think i talked about that in the past but everything i had for like 10 years right a lot of stuff luckily i didn't have to go through those folders because those folders have no names and it's horrible to like dig through every like portrait portrait wedding portrait so I found the files. I'm looking at them now. And here's what's funny, and you can, you can relate to this, is that I look back at my work from 10 years ago. Mm. I was working in Aperture. I was definitely doing some post-processing. But I did a lot of this. So the tilting, man. I told you all about that tilting. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not like I wasn't certainly 45 degrees. Like, oh, I, what, I what is that? My, my vertical, 2009 horizontal. wedding photography was like all over the place, all cockeyed. It's a, it's oh, a little. So. It's, sometimes it's a little too much. A, a little still is, is good when you if, – if, here's how I look at it. If there's a, a parallel line matching the, the bottom or vertical of the frame, you're good. But if it's, if it's 
not, then and there's no angle coming in, and it's not interesting. Just just don't do it. But uh, I find. Oh, Jimmy, we talked about like your internet connection last look, episode. You know, we talked all about it, and here we go again. Oh, I'm breaking up. Yeah, just ah. a little bit. It's it's just a little bit. I can't read. It's all right. It's all right. It it's it's intermittent. We can keep going. Keep. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm going through these images, redoing them all. It's not that many. Um. But funny looking back, and I got some good stuff. Even ten years ago, I'm like, that's a great image, and that's a great frame, and that's a good composition, that's a good direction with a couple. So, like I said, once you hit that plateau it's it's just minor changes yeah, to- as a, totally as a different artist. editing you know what i mean like going back to those old weddings and you know the editing style is completely different um but you can i did go back and you know modernize you know or put them in today's kind of look with a few of those images that i i, I just told you i had my really i started in 2010 and i had my 10 year like anniversary of working full-time and i kind of went back to yeah. some of those first weddings and, and posted a couple images and i was like man like wow, yeah. was I? What was I? What was I doing? <laughs> what was happening in these weddings? You're so. going back to the beginning, versus um, when do you think you you had a style that you said that year on? I'm proud of everything I did. Well, I'm never proud of anything I do, to be honest. Because I, I, <laughs> no, I look at my on, work. You and have I, to be. That's, that's well, no, I mean, no, no, I mean, like I am. I'm. I can look at it and I can be happy with a, like an image I shot for like two days and i get excited like when i'm at the wedding shooting in it and then i get back i'm like oh i wish i would have done this i wish i would have done this could have mm. done this this could have been better if i did that so um and i feel like that's good because i never really want to be like you know like super like wow this was an amazing shot because then if you ever do that then that's kind of like bad you know because then you, you always got to be yeah. growing kind of like what you were just saying with pictage right like if yes. you're if you just kind of like hang out and like put lean, lean back and say oh that's great I'm a great perfect photographer then you're just gonna kind of not be growing so I'm I'm okay with that but I really have, I do have that kind of you know mentality where nothing I really do is that great you know but it's 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 good for a little bit and then I'm like eh, whatever <laughs> I had I yeah. had a thing I would do when I first started out I thought it was like the coolest thing ever um, I would make a note of what their first dance was and then I would um, purchase a digital copy of the first dance music like the sheet music mm, okay. and then i would somehow <laughs> manage to like chop the couple out of the picture and put them onto the sheet music like <laughs> wait wait wait, wait, wait. Stop were right they now. like you were they not. like on the music yeah, staff then, were they like dancing yeah. on the music staff <laughs> like, then, wait, because if you didn't do that i might consider doing that <laughs> i've seen this the whole thing sepia and and it was just like, so it was like a piece, it was like, you know, let's say the first dance. I mean, right now it'd probably be like it's some Ed Sheeran song, right? But like, so it would be like a piece of Ed Sheeran type music, like sheet music. And then it would be like this sort of hazy, because I wasn't that good at like edges and layers and masks mm, at that time. Mm, so mm. like, it would sort of be like a sort of blotchy couple, like dancing off the sheet music. Yeah. I, I will send you, but, I'll but send my you question one. is like, because now, because what I'm thinking, I want to do this because now I, I want to take this. I want to, I want to be inspired by this. But I want to take them and put them like on the actual music staff themselves, you know, like like a macro shot or like I like are like macro shot like on the staff. Right. And like maybe like one of them is like uh, like a C and the other is a B flat. You know what I mean? They're like looking up to each other. You know, yeah. Right. Is that, that, what? Would, that, would, that would be cool. What I did was not cool, but I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And to be honest, the couples loved it. They would like order big prints of them and frame them. So maybe I should revisit that. Mm. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, <laughs> That's so um, funny. <laughs> Lindsay, we, we learn we learn from our mistakes that's yeah. right yeah well yeah exactly you know it's 
I mean, any point you look back, you know, however many years previous in your life, and you're like, what was I doing then? Even outside of wedding photographer or anything, you know. Uh, Lindsay, what's up? How you doing? What's going on? I think my work was always great. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, what I what I run into is when I revisit a venue that I shot very early on that I find challenging to shoot now. And I think, how did I ever photograph in this space with this horrible light and get away with it back in those days? That's what really blows my mind. Um, mm. But my style, I don't think it's changed that much, to be honest. I never tilted. Never did it. Mm. <laughs> um, nothing's new with me, honestly. I have I have not much to report. I have, like, one thing to edit right now. And um, I did a headshot this week. That's it. <laughs> That is it. The good thing about this headshot, this was the uh, bride from the dog poop uh, engagement session when Mm. I decided to just pop a squat in the poo. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she called me for the headshot. So that lets me know she wasn't like completely horrified by that situation. So, yeah, that's good. good. (laughs) Yeah, not much new on my end, though. What's new with you, Andy? Uh, Honestly, I'm not much. I have my first... Uh, wedding since December and uh, this weekend coming up um, so hopefully I still remember how to pick up a camera and use it um, but I've really been trying to not do much and just still because you know still trying to I, I just had a baby this January 1st uh, and um, just been getting doing doing that and trying to not do too much work and I've actually been working like one full real day a week um, just catching up like I, I've been working Thursdays um, just like updating website stuff. I finally today, um, I, I did work today instead of Thursday this week, uh, but I got like my uh, wedding book, like part of my website where I, I can have clients like take a look at what wedding book options I have. I've been neglecting that for 10 years in my career and I figured I should actually get that web page <laughs> up and running. It's been on my to-do list on the back burner and this is the first off season that I got to do that. Um, so things like that um, have been the main thing, and 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 that's really it. And really, even even after this wedding uh, next next uh, this weekend, I don't really have my nothing really kicks off for me really until May. So even after that, I'll just be editing that wedding. I have like maybe one or one engagement session um, in April, or maybe one shoot or something like that. So not much, and I'm and I'm happy about that. But really, because once May comes, then everything kicks off, except. Um, with this, uh, who knows what this wedding season is going to look like because I've already had one cancellation and now a potential another one. We'll get into that topic in just a bit. Um, yeah. Because, and, you know, I think that's something, you know, we'll we'll talk about in a bit. But before we do that, I just want to um, get back to Leah for a second and basically um, ask, you know, what is your what is your wedding season look like typically? How many weddings do you, do you aim for? Um, what does your client base look like? I know that um, you've done some workshops on um, working higher end weddings kind of a thing, I think. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about like your overall picture, what things look like, um, tip for a typical year for you? Yeah. Um, so somewhere between 15 and 20 weddings is my like sweet spot. Um, it, I mean, I, I will take on more than that if they sort of, if they sort of fall well, but, um, you know, I've been doing this now that I find like I need at least one weekend off every month. Otherwise, like I just kind of, get grumpy at the idea of going through a summer and not having a Saturday off. So, um, so I do sort of 15 to 20, occasionally a few more, occasionally a few less. Um, 
I work all over New England. I mean, Boston's my preferred location, but, you know, I'll go to the Cape, I'll go up to Maine. Um, and it's, I think it's, um, I think I sort of accidentally found my target client or niche. Um, I don't think it was completely deliberate on my account, but it ended up that way. And so there was just, there was one year, I think it was maybe 2010, when something like 70, 80% of my brides were blonde. Um, and it was just, it was just like this coincidence. It wasn't like I tried to book blonde brides or anything. Um, and I think because you sell what you show, everything on my blog that year was these beautiful blonde brides with many blonde bridesmaids. Um, <laughs> and they would generally get married in like big Catholic churches. Um, they'd have like beautiful receptions in like a lot of hotel ballrooms or, you know, big tented locations on the Cape or family, like family residences. Um, and so it kind of just, that kind of just ended up being my thing. And I, I actually, like, I really like it. Um, about maybe seven years ago, I, I moved up to Maine for a while and I toyed with the idea of trying to become like a photographer in Maine. And the first Maine wedding I did where I could, you know, it was it was an outdoor ceremony and I could go anywhere. I was almost alarmed because I was so used to working within the boundaries of, you know, the Catholic church and you can only go here and you can go there and you mm -hmm. can't photograph during mass. Um, so I, I kind of figured like, I, I know some photographers, like, I feel like a lot of the things I like, a lot of photographers don't like, I love family formals. I love me a good ballroom. I love a big Catholic church. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's like what I know and what I like and I really enjoy it. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of my, my target client, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, generally Boston's a, you know, Boston, New England, we have a lot of sort of really lovely weddings. And so, um, I'm also very big on like sort of the profitability of weddings. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've been sort of fairly lucky to, um, you know, be able to command a fairly sort of decent price. I've never had to advertise and my clients tend to be very enthusiastic and tell all of their friends. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's been great. Leah, where were you in Maine? Um, I had a house in Casco, Maine, which is about 45 minutes from Portland. East, northeast? Uh, kind of up and over slightly. Okay. It was uh, near, near Lake Sebago. <laughs> Do you remember the uh, Rockport workshops? Yeah. Still, yeah, yeah I, that was I, a little I, further I, off. Yeah, that was in Camden and uh, Rockport, Maine. Um, yeah. I, I taught a film camera class there for like oh, 10 wow. years. Oh, wow. I loved Maine. I miss going there still. I went yeah. there. I went there twice a summer for free, because, oh. for just because they they gave me union hours when I was in the film business. Then they started paying us not much, but I went. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll take the. It wasn't much, but I'm like, fine. I love going there so much that we, we all went there for free in the beginning, like you know, late nineties yeah. kind of thing. It was yeah. great, and it kind of changed when it came to colleges and that. But um, Maine is Maine is fantastic. One. Oh, Something about that that border, most it's just so great. Yeah, I cut out. My, yeah, you, my back. yeah, you did, but you, you came. Back. I cut out. You came back. Right. You're back. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I loved Maine, but it was it was an interesting experiment because I'd say for about six to twelve months, I really worked on like my SEO and like networking with Maine photographers and Maine vendors, and then quickly realized that while there are some really beautiful like big weddings in Maine with big budgets. Um, there were just so many more in Boston and Maine yeah. is such a huge yeah. state that I, I could find myself like 
working in Maine, but having like an eight hour round yeah. like travel time if I was going to Bar Harbor. And so it was only two and a half hours to Boston. So I quickly was like, okay, let's just live in Maine and enjoy how wonderful Maine is, but work like, yeah. you know, in Massachusetts or New Hampshire. So, yeah. 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 I feel it's you, like yeah. just the, the, the shadow, just purely by the num by the numbers and Boston being the city that it is and the area being the area it is. It's a, uh, you know, spending time marketing in Maine, I feel like really wouldn't be worth it when, when if, if you're already in that market to begin with in Boston. So, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, listeners, we have an assortment of handpicked information that's relevant to you. But first, just in case you forgot your place and space and time, this is Wedding Photographers Unite, a bi-weekly wedding photography podcast for wedding photographers. Bye, wedding photographers. The show goes live roughly every other week. And while we're at it, please do leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and subscribe in Apple Podcasts just like uh, <laughs> 79 Whitey did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, there, Whitey. 79 Whitey wrote in uh, to okay. the Australian version of, uh, of Apple Podcasts and says, I'm frothing. What does frothing mean? Uh, I think like... Foaming at the mouth? Oh, yeah. Okay, so he's... For 70, so. 79 Whitey is frothing at the idea of Wedding <laughs> Photographers Unite. Uh, and he says, I have binged on the Unite crew and I am moving to Vancouver Island. So this is the same This is the same guy who wrote in that oh, previous episode. Yeah. Um, yep. He's moving to Vancouver Island and am going to follow my dream of photography. I've gained some great knowledge from, oh, from you all um, while I'm working away here in Western Australia. I am stoked that there are photographers sharing the love. Thanks. Keep up the great cast, like podcast. You or you Tim? No, he cast, cast like characters. What does he mean? Cast and then he like ends with you Tim. Y e w Tim. What does that mean? You, you Tim. What? What? Why? Why? Why e w Tim? You Tim. Maybe his friend's name is Tim, and he's like, know. "Hey Tim, why am I writing this?" Uh, I don't you know. right now. Thanks for the review. He <laughs> left us all the stars. He left us all the stars. And you can leave all the stars too. You go to Apple Podcasts, you leave the stars. More stars are good. Words are better, um, especially if we understand them. Okay, so. Um, Andy, now, on that note, real quick. Yes. Uh, quick update over on our Instagram page. There are links, direct links in our bio to leave a review to join our Facebook group, to mm. our website. Mm. Uh, and there is one other that I'm not thinking of. But if you need a real quick way to get to link up to those things that Andy just mentioned, that's a good way to do it. Well done. Okay. Um, right. Okay. Uh, and then other than that, so let's just get into our main topic, uh, at least, and kind of see where this goes. Uh, but uh, really... You know, and I posted in the group too uh, just recently that I had a bride that had contacted me. Um, hey, what if my wedding gets coronavirus, so to speak? You know, um, and I'm just wondering, you know, where you guys are at in terms of how you think that we should be responding to this if we were going to decide as a, um, you know, what is the industry appropriate way to dis to to respond? And you know, different businesses are going to have different perspectives on that, and that's part of the conversation. Um, but uh, maybe I'll give you um, my uh, situation. Maybe, and you already kind of know my response because I just sent you the, the the text or whatever. But yeah, let's let's go. Let's do like the the um, wedding photographers conundrums that like we used to do these conundrums on the show, which is basically, hey, we're in this situation, whether it's at a wedding or you got an email from a bride. Okay, how do you respond? What's your response? And we'll see how we line up and try and forget what I said. But who knows? Maybe it lines up, right? No, good idea. Um, 
So so basically, um, the situation is, you know, I had this is my first one that I dealt with. Um, it's a it's a Buffalo wedding. I'm in Buffalo, and the the couple is from L.A. and they're coming. They're but but one of them is from Buffalo, right? So they're coming back to fly in and do the wedding in Buffalo, and uh, and I got the email basically, you know, saying, hey, you know, we are thinking about rescheduling because of coronavirus. And actually, I, I spoke to her on the phone, too, and she basically is concerned that, like, the her, her parents are elderly, so they would be flying from L.A. to Buffalo, um, or one of the, one set of parents would be flying from L.A. to Buffalo. And, and because of what's going on, they decided to reschedule the wedding. And, uh, and what is, what's your response to that? Now, here's the other thing. This couple just booked recently too, so they booked me in early February, and now here we are, early March, and they are, you know, wanting to, to uh, reschedule or cancel well, Andy, the wedding. Essentially, yeah. you just said something that I don't know if we knew earlier. Lindsay and uh, Leah might agree. Is that you just said they decide they the couple decided to change the date, right. not the government saying or the venue saying or anyone else dictating. Hey. True. You can't have this wedding. True. It's them deciding to do it. That really changes a lot right now in our in our in what we're about to talk about. But go ahead. You know what Continue. else? Changed, I didn't know. That. You know something else changes a lot right now. When you look at Lindsay Daddario on our Skype Skype call, um, right. the other thing that changes a lot is that Lindsay's in a very reflective, pensive moment of thought. Um, <laughs> she is. She's not frozen. Before You're she live. was stuck drinking a glass Lindsay's of wine. And now, now this topic has really just, uh, really just gotten to her. And uh, what's the, uh, David thinking on the rock? Basically, basically, the, that's what, that's what I'm seeing out of Lindsay right now. Um, so, can you hear me at least? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yes. we can hear you. Yeah, I, I can hear you, 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 you but you, you are super funny. frozen. You're just like you're just very like you say pensive. Pensive. Yeah. <laughs> You're very intent I just listener. Was so captivated by by <laughs> I need, what I need to screenshot what Jimmy this. Jimmy was this, saying. This is, yeah. um, but right. okay. So anyway, so what what do we think about this? What would our responses be? How would we handle this? Um, what's appropriate? And based on what our contracts say, and we're all going to have different answer answers. But what you know? What are what are our thoughts on this? Who wants to take it? Somebody. I, I'll go Jimmy. first if you want. Um, <laughs> You already did, but you can go again. Either either way, if <laughs> if the government is saying, or the venue, or acts of nature, or God, or whatever the case is, is delaying or postponing or canceling a wedding, that should be in your contract saying, hey, all A, B, and C of what I just said, um, the retainer, unfortunately, is not refundable. Now, you can then put an asterisk by that by saying, if the photographer has to cancel for whatever reason – you would you should put in there, then I'll give it back to retainer because that's not the, the, the vice versa. That's not this case. So this is the case of you saying the couple decides to change the date in scare of something that may or may not exist, uh, at least in this area right now. Whatever the case is, um, standard practices, I'm sorry, I, you, you, you unfortunately, I cannot, ret- I cannot return your retainer or refund you the retainer. Don't use the word deposit. Use the word retainer. And then, but I would gladly work with you to uh, let you know what dates I have available or dates I don't have available rather. And then we'll try to work out a, another date and I'll just move that retainer to that date. No, no money loss whatsoever. Everybody's happy. All good. You want to do it this year? You want to do it next year? Fine. No matter what, I'll work with you. But please let me know. Please, you should know that these dates I'm booked for and I, and I cannot be available for those dates. That's just it. This has nothing to do with the coronavirus, really. This is, this is just what if it, it, it would be if the government said, "Hey, everything's shutting down," 
then you'd be like, all right, well, government, hey, give me some money because I dumped, you know, 50 grand and depositing stuff here. And what am I going to do now? You tell me I can't have a wedding? Lindsay, you're very so, polite. You always put your finger up when you want to speak, but she does. you can just, you can just go. You can just like get right in there. <laughs> so, Lindsay, thoughts? Um, so my concern with offering them up another date is that, you know, what if they pick a, a date that would absolutely book no matter what next summer? Like, what if they book the 10-10-2020 of next year, oh, you know, and good, then, good point. you know, then you're out a potential Saturday. And especially if you're the type of photographer who shoots volume where like every Saturday is, is valuable to you, then that's that's money you're losing. So I would be more inclined to, you know, maybe say you can have a Friday, (laughs) you know, like something more off season or I don't know. But at the same time that, I mean, I think we are all, we want to be empathetic to their situation and no one wants to suggest somebody put their elderly parents in in a dangerous situation. But at the same time, like we're running a business here and if we reserved a Saturday for them. Now we're reserving two. Then like that's, we're only getting half the income that we would from those two dates then. And actually just one word of, of note mm-hmm. on the rescheduling. Um, and I'm glad I didn't send this email yet cause I might need to revise it a little bit, but, um, that I do, that is worth being careful of is I've had in the past and one of my first years uh, doing this, I had a couple who, you know, called me and said, Hey, we want to reschedule. So I said, okay, cool. Um, fine, whatever. You know, it's, it's a one-time thing. We'll reschedule for next year on such and such date, right? And they did that. And then it turns out they wanted to reschedule again. The next year, they, they wanted to reschedule. So, that's, so that was two Saturdays that I was not photographing a wedding on those two Saturdays. And, and at that point, when they said they wanted to reschedule the second time, I'm like, all right, that's fine, but I'm going to need a new deposit on this. On the, if you're, yeah. You want to move it again. If you're moving this again the third time, and you're actually like really getting married, right? Um, if that's happening, like I'm gonna need a new deposit, and they actually did. They paid. They paid the oh, deposit. Like, we understand. We actually get it. Um, and they did, and they booked me, and they ended up getting married in the third year after, All right. right? But 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 be careful when you say you're gonna reschedule if you're gonna to get yourself in that situation because that can happen. And then what? You're out two weddings. You know, yeah. and are you going to be okay doing it the third time? We don't even have to do it the first time, really. But I feel like it's a courtesy if you know to do this. Leah hasn't hasn't gone yet, and I think she's got plenty I, of I things to say. So yeah. I got I'll bookmark my comment. Go yeah, okay. I was just gonna I was just gonna say I think like the number one thing in this situation is you have to check with your attorney, like of things. But like, how watertight is your contract? Like, what you know, if someone decides to try and sue you in small business claims, whatever. So I think that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is like whenever, so mine, my contract says um, something about like when it comes to rescheduling, obviously if I reschedule, like if I can't do it, I refund the retainer, like, like Jimmy says, but um, if they reschedule um, it's at my, I think discretion to move their, move their retainer uh, minus an administrative fee. So I at least get kind of some of that plus um, any costs already, like incurred. So if we've already done the engagement shoot and then I also say something about like, I'm happy to carry payments over to a new date um, as long as I'm available, but they're also subject to annual price increases. Cause mm. what you don't want to do is like, you know, like it, I mean, I think like we've all been doing this long enough that our price increase, our price increases don't change wildly from year to year. But like if you're in year one or year two, mm. it's feasible that you could be like charging peanuts and then you, they mm. sc- like schedule two years out and then you've got to, 
you know, yeah. still charging peanuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my, co- I, I don't know about you guys. I've been through, I've threatened tenants, uh, before with payment, uh, as far as the, uh, small claims court. And for what I understand with small claims court, it's pretty much bullshit. You sit in front of a judge, you plead your case, you don't have lawyers. It's only up to $5,000 max, which is much more than it used to be. And then the judge says, okay, you got it. Yeah. I've signed on you. You, you got to pay her, you, him, whatever the case is. And then if the person doesn't, there's still, no one's knocking on the door of the person to arrest them. It's, it's really just like a, a mediation thing. It really is. So small claims court is a nice scare to people because most people don't even know that. And when it gets down to the judge point in New York state, at least that uh, it's just someone saying, Hey, you got to do this. And if they don't do this, there's no penalties. There's nothing. It really isn't. So what Leah said, you, you, I think you, you brought up a really good point about the administration administration fees. Mm-hmm. And then, um, Andy, what did you say? When did they book you? So that's the other thing. With this couple in particular, it was like really a month ago, like just under a month, a month. ago. Okay, yeah. so you can say to them, I will honor uh, a move of the date pending my availability 60 days from now, which is doubling when they booked like, you. What? 60 days from now? Yeah. What does that they mean? Cha- they have, okay, so if, if they decide to book the date, like Lindsay said, in October on a popular Saturday, you said, I'm sorry, I have, I can't. You booked me a month ago. You I know, gave you. I, I'm actually you give them a, a special yeah, yeah. rate or a no, deal. Here's the thing, like you know, I'm trying to just uh, in this case, like I'm gonna try and do the nice human thing and just be like, you know what, if if I'm available and I'm not booked, you know what, fine, because right. because I'm gonna be making the money when I get that wedding later on. It's better, you know, whatever. So I'm I'm just I'm kind of cool with rolling with it. But if I wasn't, I would I would be doing all that, you know. Yeah, um, we, we had a whole, had a whole um, discussion about this and I'm, I'm a member of like a number of different forums like New England and Boston photographers and a bunch of people were having this whole discussion today and it was very interesting to see that just the wide range of responses. So some people have in their contract that not only is the retainer never refundable, but the couple are actually responsible for the payment in full even if the wedding doesn't happen, which I, I think is kind of interesting because I'm like, how can you enforce someone paying something for the right. service they're not getting but anyway there's they're the not point going was, to yeah, yeah the point was like within within the group of you know there were probably hundreds of photographers kind of chiming in and it varied from i'm going to make them enforce the whole payment to i'm going to give them everything because if i was in this situation i'd feel so bad for them so like it was it was kind of all over the the show which is why i think like you have to just check with your attorney figure out what your contract says and then go from there do you guys have um a cancellation uh like policy yes. in place because for yeah. like because okay. of you <laughs> yeah um and i think that's what we was referring to too like so like in my contract now i would never enforce it unless they've unless they paid me well ahead if they paid me like a year in advance and then are trying to get money later then no but but i do have Lindsay because of you well we talked about this at some point you i know you have in your contract you know if they cancel 12 months to nine months then 75 percent is or the retainer is due if they cancel or you know whatever it is you're like nine months to six months then yeah so basically um and i have that in there no payments are refundable essentially so yes you know you give me a thousand dollars on this date a thousand dollars on this date you don't get it back yeah (laughs) Yeah. period i mean just from a small business accounting standpoint like once the money comes in i don't want to be thinking about like oh 
now I've got to manage this and, you know, like, like not spend that. Like, no, like once it's in there, it's in there. And I, I, have, I even recommend, I would rather couples not pay me until I, you know, <laughs> my, my final payment is due 21 days before the wedding. I would rather they just not pay me until then, you know, the balance anyway, you know, I want to take the, I, I'm looking at my, uh, my Leo wants the money. She's like, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm big on, I'm big on like the, uh, like I have a whole like cash, like I like to forecast my cash flow. So like, I'm a bit old school. Like I like the Excel spreadsheets and stuff, but like I'll plot out like each of my weddings. So I normally split my payments into three. Um, and the first is a non-refundable retainer always due back with the contract. The final payment is due one month before the wedding, but the, the middle payment, I literally have like my year planned out in an Excel spreadsheet and I move when the middle payment is due just to help my cash flow. So if I have a bunch of October weddings and I know that like I'm going to have a ton of payments coming in in like July, I might sort of schedule them out. So some people might, the second payment might be three months before the wedding. Some Mm. people six months before the wedding, just because, I mean, not that you need like every single payment to live on, but I like to just have it kind of coming in somewhat evenly. Oh, you mean you you actually like to kind of like manage your money and like have it come in evenly. So like... (laughs) It's kind of like the anti-wedding photography thing, have yeah. all the money come in the summer and then have no idea what to do in the yeah. winter, well, like the other I, half of us. Is that, that what you're saying? Right. So, so many people do that. Like, so when I've, when I've done like, I've, you know, I've done like some coaching and mentoring and I like sit with people and go through all this stuff. And so many people I feel make business decisions about maybe attending workshops or like doing other stuff or buying new equipment based on what's in the bank account today. Right. And it's like, there's no, there's no sort of, Oh, hold on though. I still have to, you know, spring for 12 albums. Cause I've sold them all. Cause if I'm not selling albums, I'm leaving all the money on the table. And, um, you know, like, so, so I've, I kind of when I'm talking with people, I'm like, just because you have money in your account doesn't mean you can spend it. Like that's not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> but all that money's over there in the summer. You can buy your laptops <laughs> and all your different stuff. You're like, woo, party, yeah, right? No. My favorite thing I see is photographers say, like, oh well, you can write it off as a tax deduction. And I'm like, yeah. it, it, it's yes, you can pay less taxes, but you also have less money. Yeah, like, you still gotta it, pay for it. Yeah, but but you well not even that, but like if you if you pay less taxes, it's because you make less profit, so you have less money in your pocket. Like so, you can run your business as some kind of hobby it depends, if you want Leah, to. On how much you love these things that you're buying that you write off anyway. <laughs> so if you're like a tech nerd like me, and you like want your Apple iPads anyway and all this stuff. You're like, oh, then it is forty percent off because the government yeah. doesn't get that forty percent. Yeah, but I I know yeah. what you're saying, and you make very good points. Yeah. They're valid. Yes. Yeah, it's the money you keep. It's not the money you make. It's right. the money you keep. Yes, it's true. It's true. Um. Okay, so any anything else on that um, that we want to talk? Actually, one one question. I'm curious if anybody thinks anything. Do you think that this because this is a, it's a real serious thing. It, it's a it's a real serious thing. Can you imagine if this does get worse and let's say sixty to seventy percent of our weddings and events and and all these things get canceled? You know what? What does that do to the wedding photography industry as far as like us being able to survive and be able to continue to do this? Right? Could be a good insurance um, claim. And 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 then also on that's I guess maybe part A of my question. And then part B is, uh, co- should our contracts be change changing at all based on this? Is is there anywhere? I I think I saw in a group some people talking about you know hey. We got to update our contracts now because this is kind of a reality of, of some is should. Is there something that we should need to be thinking about as far as that goes? Um, I, I, not yet. Lindsay? Lindsay, what I'm concerned about is if this is like a government mandated 
yeah shut exactly. down right. in exactly. like we we aren't allowed to go to these weddings you know that's exactly that it that we I'm gonna, government, yeah. government I'm gonna, shuts you down it's it's got to be 100 i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that like based on based on what we're seeing and based on like where the, when this first happened in the u.s compared to say italy spain the uk um i think things are going to change wildly in the next like week or two. And based on the, all of the stuff that's happening in Europe and, and even in Asia, um, you know, any group activities of more than a, like a hundred people were not recommended and yeah. or shut down like Italy banned weddings period. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't think it's unfeasible that we get there. I think it's going to be a really, really quick moving situation that we're just going to have to kind of roll with and figure out. My friend, my good friend known for 40 plus years, um, may or may not have gone married here in the States. I didn't say that. No one, he knows, his family doesn't know I do this podcast, so it's fine. But they did it because they were supposed to get married in Tokyo soon, in a few weeks. And they invited us. We couldn't make it. Then they said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll hire you guys to shoot it. And then we thought about it. But then this whole thing happened with the virus and now they had to postpone it to June small wedding 12 to 14 people tops so they were here anyway he's American she's Japanese um, and they just wanted to do this because the, the, in Tokyo it's, it's, a, it's a big of a rigmarole to get you know to have the marriage taking place there and to come back to the states so it was really sweet it was, it was a ceremony it was a nice role dressed up and had a good time had some champagne but um but it was like, yeah, the government is now forcing us to move yeah, our so, date. So this June. is a real thing, man. At a small the, wedding. It's a, it's a tiny, tiny wedding. But this is a real thing. Tokyo. You know, let, well, let's say, let's say though, that, that the government does say that my June wedding, for example, is not right. allowed to happen. Okay? It's, it's, it's off. Legally, from a legal standpoint, even though my contract might hold up, right? Right. Um, what happens then? Like, what, what, if, I, I would, what if I never got this call? From, so from I'm assuming bride, you right? you probably have some kind of clause in your contract about an act of God, also like occasionally referred to I as do. like a, an, a force majeure, right? But yes. like, um, so I, from what I understand, and again, it would always go back to check with an attorney for your contract, right? Mm -hmm. But um, I think this is like a, a global pandemic counts as an act of God, right? Um, and so it kind of comes down to what your contract says with him with with regard to that i didn't i only had an act of god con, uh, clause added into mine when um we had like a blizzard in i think it was 2011 or 13 um and there was a travel restriction so all travel was banned and so um as it was i managed to get down to boston i was living in new hampshire at the time but i managed to get down to boston in time but like had to spring like 600 bucks for a hotel room the night before the wedding um and then wasn't like had to have the police go pick up my second shooter. It was like a crazy situation. But after that, I made sure that my contract had a clause that was like, you know, if if there's an act of God or and or, you know, a, a state of emergency or travel restriction, like I'm off the hook because, right. you know, you, you can't if you if you're not allowed to drive to a wedding, then you're not allowed to drive to a wedding. Yeah. So do they I, still pay you then in that situation or do you refund I should look at my I should look at my contract again, but I think it says like if I you know if I can't do it, then um, they don't have to pay me any outstanding payments. But anything already paid is mine. But I'll do my utmost to try and find them someone who can do it if that's if that's sure. an option. Well, let's look at this. Let's say let's say your second payment or final payment, whatever it is, is due a month before the wedding, which is kind of a standard practice. 
And then that happens. And then two weeks before the wedding, government says, hey, sorry, not happening. There's no way in hell that cup that couple is not going to every insurance possible. Yeah. Or anywhere to be like, hey, I gotta re- I gotta get reimbursed. I already paid these people, my yeah, vendors. Imagine and from the, a venue they, standpoint you know what I mean? too. You know, from yeah. a venue standpoint, they're gonna want they're still gonna want their wedding. You know. So um, I don't think I don't think our U.S. government's gonna say that because <laughs> they know how sue happy we are as Americans, well, right? Sue everybody. <laughs> yeah. I, well, the government's gonna do what they need to do to you know that they feel like is in our best interest, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I wonder um, where our insurance comes into play on all of this. We, we so, might have a good, yeah, yeah. From from what I understand, wedding and um, so there was a big conversation about this earlier as well in a group that I'm in. And um, at standard wedding insurance does not cover pandemics. So even if the couple has taken oh. out wedding insurance, as of now, unless the insurance companies decide to kind of you know be a bit kinder, mm. um, standard wedding insurance does not cover a pandemic. Mm. I'm wondering about our huh. our own insurance. If yeah. we, if like I were to decide, mm-hmm. like if I know someone at that wedding, <laughs> or you know, if I have lung disease or something and I don't feel safe going, whatever it is, and I as a photographer decide that I don't feel comfortable being at this wedding, but the wedding is still happening, I wonder if my insurance would cover me in that situation. Mm. I don't think so. I, unless you have a specific like disability insurance or like. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, we all have equipment insurance, liability insurance, errors and emissions, but I don't know about... Disability like, insurance or something like that might, if yeah. there's a right clause in it, right? But yeah, I, I've thought about disability insurance. I've thought a lot about it. It crosses my mind every year. Maybe I should get that, and then I never do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a lot about disability insurance, because what, what, what would happen yeah. if I break my leg and, um, you know, or whatever, you know, I'm out yeah. for however many weddings. It's, it's yeah. a real problem. I think dis- disability um, insurance is a really good idea if you're a sole proprietor. Like, I mean, I think, you know, luckily, thanks to podcasts like this and other groups, you know, like we all kind of have each other's backs, even though hypothetically we're all competition. Mm. Um, so you would hopefully have enough photographer friends who would cover for you, but they would probably want to be paid for their time too. So plus you wouldn't even have any money coming in. So that's where like disability insurance, if, especially, you know, if you have like a mortgage payment and you're maybe a sole breadwinner, then yeah, that's the thing. Well, this, mm-hmm. this is really going to, you know, depending on how far it goes, this is going to really test a lot of us in this industry, um, depending on how bad it gets, you know, w- what do our savings accounts look like? Do we have emergency funds kind of set up there to, pull us through a, a terrible half year that we weren't really expecting if these weddings get canceled or, you know, or who knows. Um, but it really is a, it's, it's a real issue and hopefully, hopefully it doesn't, you know, hopefully this, it doesn't go there, but it could really kind of swing either way at this point. And it's, uh, um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I did hear though that the, the virus is um, not conducive to heat so as we're approaching warmer weather, it's just going to die out. But it's, it has existed for a while. It's just, it just got more rampant now. I've, I've heard, I heard mixed, that somewhere. mixed stuff about the, yeah. I yeah, think that's, that Korea and, and Southern, uh, they're not really affected. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's been proven yet, but right. uh, I know some people are talking. I think, I think at this point, it's just one giant massive misinformation. Yes. Like, um, yeah. Like I've heard, I've heard people, you know, saying, oh, well, if you're self-isolating, 
you should be in a room on your own and you shouldn't, you should have meals delivered to you. And then other people saying, oh, well, you can self-isolate, but it's okay to go to the grocery store and hang out with people as long as you tell them. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't don't think anyone really, really knows anything right now. Even, even, yeah, even medical professionals are still trying to figure it out. And even when you do look at those, the charts that they have out, they're still kind of estimates and, and there's a yeah. lot of like, how are they getting these numbers? And, and any, even medical professionals will tell you that. Um, yeah. And I've spoken to a couple since this has happened. So yeah, and we have um, we have like so I think eight we're up to ninety ish cases in Massachusetts. Um, and like I I know of a couple of people who have tested positive, and they again they've been given wildly different different information. One's been told to stay at home indefinitely, even though she has no symptoms. Um, and then the other one has been told that once she doesn't have symptoms, she's good to go and mm. doesn't necessarily need a retest to make sure she's negative. So mm, that, it just, that second one sounds off from what I've heard. I, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's, it's fairly frightening if this is what people are being told. Yeah. Um, well, OK. Um, uh, Leah, you seem like a very positive person. I'm sorry that we had you on on this uh, on this episode <laughs> yeah, right? to, to, to have this like down talk. We're here, all but, going to die. Um, not l- really. l- again, <laughs> if you haven't listened to the moth thing, it's 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 very beautiful. Go listen to that, and then you'll you'll and it's and, and actually quite quite the sense of personality and humor on that. If I don't say so, um, it's, it's really good. Um, I'm not. I'm not a very cheerful person. Just you know, coronavirus is interesting. <laughs> yeah. So let's get off that topic and let's go to a few uh, listener questions that we have here. Um, uh, I guess, and we'll just take these one at a time. We can spend as much time as we want on these or as little we're, we're approaching an hour anyway, so we can take it as, as far as we want to go. So, uh, Sean writes in and says, Hey, how do you guys handle Bradzilla's? What are your worst couple stories? Does anybody have a worst couple story that they haven't told before? Or any yeah. Bradzilla's? We see, we have, we, Lindsay, we've heard we all stories do. before. Um, Leah, what's your, what's your, I've been at this 13 years. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) anything that you feel appropriate telling on a podcast that may or may not publicly be available to past clients. Let's just just go to Leah. (laughs) I I have, um, I mean, I, I would say generally I've been super lucky. I've had like the most amazing clients ever over the years. There have been, there have been a few, um, and I mean, I could kind of tell you the horror stories, but then I almost feel like that's just like the, the, like the gruesome thing. I think, I think the one, t- the one thing I've learned from the handful of literal horror stories, like as in a mother of the bride showing up at my apartment unscheduled. Cause I work from home with a magnifying glass to look at the images on my computer. Oh, um, God. Oh my God. and, and <laughs> a couple, a couple who designing their wedding album, they would, I would, they would both be on the email and one would tell me that they hated the design and the other one would say, I approve that design. And then they would go back and I would redo the design. Like it was just, they were just, I mean, I think we've all had those nightmare couples. I, Mm. I think usually they happen because you haven't set clear expectations. Bingo. Yeah. Like, like, so, so you normally get the red flags, like at the beginning, um, and sometimes we ignore them because we want the wedding or we're like, oh, it's not going to be that bad or I can handle it. But, um, you know, I think I think you kind of you get to sense them over the over the years. And I think it's just about, frankly, setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. That was very uh, politically that correct. That is good. Spoken yeah, I, I just can I tell a quick story? I remembered a couple. I'm ready. Oh, give it to us, Jimmy. I, I want to hear it's it. Quick, 
a couple meeting with me. She knew Photoshop a bit in design, so she went through like two or three different album designs. And then at the end, we we she I'm like, look, I can't I can't sit here and go through the the thousands of fonts I have for you to pick one. You, if, if you're that if that you're anal intentive about the font, pick the font, send it to me, buy it and send it to me, or go to defont.com. Let me know the free one. I'll download it. Right? Either either a a or b. Fine. So she did, and then she said this to me. She's like, I like the font, but can you rasterize the letter and then round off the serifs a little bit more because they're too pointy? I was like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way in hell I'm doing this. No way in hell. That, that drew the line. Like, there, I, I don't know what I said to her. But I said, there is no way I am doing that. You are crazy. For the, the two, Joe and Amy, whatever their names were, and then every little point on a serif, you're, who would think of that? That was the <laughs> most bizarre thing I ever had requested. Rounding the ser- the rounding the serifs on the font. I don't know if I ever if I ever mentioned on the podcast before that I had this one client meeting, like maybe like my second or third year, and this couple comes in my my office space, and they're like looking at the wedding photos, and like as they're looking through my book, they're like, "Oh, we don't like this image. Oh, this is I, this this <laughs> looks this looks terrible. I don't and like and as they're like they're they're slamming my portfolio like as they're and I've never had that happen, right? Because most people they go to your website and they look at your work and they're like, oh, they, we like the work. We'll contact this person and then they have the meeting. This couple clearly did not even like look at the work. And they're like, so this this bride is like slamming my portfolio, which maybe if I look back on my 2012, 2011 portfolio, I might slam it too. No, uh, but, no that's yeah, not that long yeah, ago. But, but I mean, just this this person's like doing this in person. And then like as it's this is happening, she's just like, um, oh, we don't even like the wedding thing. We we were we don't weren't even sure that we were gonna gonna do it, you know, like all that kind of stuff, but like just like kind of slamming the idea of, of the wedding industry. And like, and my portfolio at the same time. And I'm like going through this meeting. And I'm like, I'm going through like the normal things that I go through. Just like, like, like thinking like if I'm, if I'm ever going to fire a client or like basically say, no, it's on this one. I just wanted to get through the meeting, but she did that the whole freaking meeting. It was just so ridiculous, man. It was, and, and like I had my office door open and the, and both, both the other businesses that are around me, they like heard the meeting cause she was like super loud and all this. And they're like, what the hell was that? And I'm like, dude, I do not know. It was ridiculous. Am I, in, am I on candid camera here? What the hell is going on? But it was crazy. It was crazy. Did you end up shooting it? Oh no, hell no. No, I never heard okay. from them because, because of the way that, because of the way she was talking to me, I was kind of responding back in a way that was just kind of skipping over things and trying to get them the hell out of my face. You know, it was just like, get <laughs> yeah. out of here. Oh my God. So um, rude. I learned this from doing headshots in studio that if if someone comes in and goes, oh, I hate my photo being taken, and they and they don't have to like they're it's not their company sending them there or whatever it is, but it's like say it's a mom and a daughter and the and the mom's like, I hate having my photo taken. Stop right there. Thank you for them for coming in and show them the door because the, no, no one Jimmy. you are going to do nothing. <laughs> Jimmy, I've been there. Come on, I've really? been Jimmy, there. Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. I love Jimmy, that. Jimmy. I've seen yeah. that as a challenge. No, no, no. It's like I when, love that when, when I get okay. when I get people who are like you know like I I have a lot of mothers of the bride will book me for their daughter's wedding so and like and and in a few quite a few cases the daughters are kind of like I don't even want wedding pictures I just want something low key but the mom's having like this huge thing and so like often there was one there was one bride where the mom kept messaging the daughter and copying me and saying you know, bride, you need to talk to Leah. She's going to be a photographer. And the bride is like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Um, but I kind of saw that as like, 
like a fun challenge. And by the end, she came around. Yeah, let me let me rephrase my statement. I, I, of course, on a wedding, you have much more to shoot. Yeah. Uh, as we all know, different. I'm talking about like if you got if you a headshot session, a lifestyle thing. This was sure. like the point when the mom and the daughter came in. The mom forced the the daughter the daughter forced the mom to come in for a mom daughter session, mommy and me kind of thing. And the mom was just like, Ugh, I don't want to be here. I do, I hate my photo being taken. And yeah, sometimes it is a challenge. But don't. But most, when they come back, I feel this like is years ago, and they come back three times. Yeah. It's like. But I feel like I, I, like most consumer clients that we deal with do hate their photo being taken like like maybe like 60 yeah. to 70 percent hate their photo taken and they tell us and we're like oh no it's gonna be fine you know i'll, I'll help you out and all that. like that's that's part of it um, yeah they're looking for reassurance when they say that a lot of the time i like almost I all agree. of my I clients agree. are like we're so awkward yeah. we need your help yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Lindsay, Lindsay had the joy. Lindsay had the uh, the joy of photographing me when we were up in Vermont. We did like a little headshot swap thing for each other, and I am literally the most awkward person in front of the camera. And all I do is just do this like whole, oh my god, I hate this. This is awful. I'm making weird faces, right? And obviously, because I'm saying that, I'm making weird faces. So um, self sabotaging your own yeah, photo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like I think, I think it's. I don't know. I think it, I, I identify with people who hate having their picture taken because it's generally fairly terrible. I also think it's a good reminder for us as photographers to force ourselves to get our picture taken because it's only when you do it and you're yeah. like staring into that like lens that you realize like, oh, God, this is what my couples feel like. You know, it's a good reminder. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, I'm. I know what you're saying, Jimmy, when it goes to a certain point and maybe those, some of those clients, it's, it's, it goes it's to a, a fine line. Point. It's like, all right, yeah. then get out of here. You know what I mean? Like of course, if, there's if a lot you of really money involved. that much, there's a door leave, you know, yeah. but, yeah. but it, it would have to be really pretty, real far down the line for me. I, I remember this know. woman and it was pretty yeah. bad and the daughter came back again years later and then the mom was there just to help her out. But the mom was really, really mean to her. <laughs> it was like, she kept saying like, are you done yet? Are we done with this? What are you doing? Are you really doing that pose? It was very strange. It was very, I'm like, why did you bring your mom to help when she's rushing you the whole time? I think a lot of the times in general, it is the moms. Like for one, I don't think their idea of what wedding photography is, is different. You know, the styles that they remember from when they got married, you know, everything has changed and sometimes the poses they want and all of that are, are different. And I have a very photojournalistic style. And one of my, uh, one of my horror stories, I, I rarely have a bridezilla. That's so rare. Momzilla's I usually will get one or two every year and, you know, I can handle it. I can manage it. But I had one who came, came at me. She called me on the phone and said she was devastated about the photos. And this was pretty early on in my career. And I thought I killed this wedding, like completely nailed every section of the day, like no weak spots, you know, and that, Everyone that feeling has, like, when you, when you get that email, like it's rare, but when you get the email that someone's disappointed or devastated, it's like a pit in your, it's the worst email. It does. And it's so personal. And you're like, how do I fix this? so personal. Yeah. And so the, the issue she had was that uh, there wasn't, so there was 400 people at this wedding, first of all, and there wasn't a photo of this uncle and that uncle with her and this, and all of these random people. And I had to explain, you know, I, I met with your daughter and son-in-law and we talked about who are the important people to photograph and guess what? Like they didn't make the list. So, and she said, it's your job to know who these people are. And I said, no, no like I'm not no, a not. psychic. I, no. It's my job to know 
parents, bridal party, grandparents, those sorts of things. But beyond that, like, there's no way for me to know in a group of 400 people that this uncle is important. And once I explained that in a very nice way, she completely backed down and said, you know, other than that, she really loved the photos. I'm like, okay, so you're not actually devastated at all. But (laughs) it always seems to be the moms that have those those complaints Um, for me. I had a, a a bride. Uh, it was Indian wedding, half Indian, half American, and the the the, the what is what's the thing the night before? It's called not the Sangi. Um, is it the Sangi? Uh, oh, so yeah. No, no, so, no, no. Well, the Sangi. Yeah, this is the day before. Yes, it was the Sangi. So that's taking place. She says to me that night, within an hour of everyone showing up. She's like, by the way, I don't know if my I think I mentioned this before. She's like, I don't know if my dad's gonna show up, but if he does, please don't have please don't ask to do a photo of me and my dad i haven't talked to him in 10 years seen him or talked to him in 10 years like, who, I don't know who the bride him. said that the bride okay to her dad with her dad. and sure enough he did he wanted a couple photos of her his new wife and whatever and i was a little awkward thank god she said that to me so from that point on i i have a clause in my contract saying any and all groups are up to the to the couple 100 you cannot ask me to do this there's always there, it, there may be family issues I'm not aware of that wasn't disclosed to me. I, I don't want to put anyone in any kind of uncomfortable position. Leah. <laughs> uh, no, I was just, I was thinking that I, I had some similar situations in my first year or two. And after that, I um, decided the best way to kind of avoid that happening again. And again, just like set expectations was I have this ridiculously long homework document that I email over to them and I'm like, you can either just fill this in or we can do it together on the phone. It's going to take about an hour. And it's like, it's, it's fairly intrusive slash personal, but like I get into Mm -hmm. like, who are the VIPs? Who are the people that your parents will be disappointed if we don't photograph? What are there any family politics or dynamics or drama that I should know about? And, and it's like, I think if you ask it in a sort of fairly non-judgmental way, I get so much information out of my clients, which not that like, that's my objective, but it enables me to not come up against those issues on the day. So like I've had, okay. I had like one bride who like her mom was the sweetest, but she was just very high, sort of high, highly strung. And the bride was freaking out about having in the room when she got dressed. And so knowing that in advance, but she also didn't want to upset her mom. We were like, Hey mom, you know, how about you step out for a minute while the bride gets dressed? Cause she wants you to see the full effect of her in her dress. So like, instead of it becoming this awkward stressful moment for all of them and or upsetting the mom like knowing that ahead of time it's like you can i'm not big on sports analogies but this is the one i know you can like kind of run interference so um so maybe well done. probably got that wrong no, um, no, no, no well you nailed done, it yes. <laughs> when i'm doing family pictures i'm like who's on first second base what's next like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, i find it i find it so much easier just to be like you have all the balls in your court Whoever you line up for the allotted time of doing the family portraits or group portraits, it's a half hour, whatever it is, that 30 minutes, you line them up, I'll shoot it. No wow. need to ask me, can you, can I, can you please shoot this? You're wasting seconds of the day. Just line them up, point at me. And I've literally <laughs> tell moms that I'm like, I'm, I've had a mom come up to me many times, be like, is it okay if we shoot? I'm like, yes, of course it is. You're uh, wasting, <laughs> please go right ahead. I, I look this awesome. gives Fine me off. such anxiety just I thinking about I, I like dad's on this and mom's no. on that end. I'd be like, line them up right there. 
You look at me and go and just do the point the finger photographer shoot this so picture. The thing is, I'll shoot I, it. So the thing is, yeah. So some of us are thinking there. Is monopod. Jimmy, because you have the personality that you have, you probably get away with things because of the way that you say things and your Wait, little okay, sly, fine. funny way with your little, little, with your little like, New York City go, let's go, let's Brooklyn go. accent or whatever you got going on over there, right? You get away with it, right? <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that, that's why like I like I love hearing different people's approaches my mine is the only list I require of the whole day is the family formal picture yes. so I get them to give you the the, the members of the family then I no then I then I organize it <laughs> no into way. what makes I organize it into like the fastest way of shooting them so I can add people or just or remove people and yeah. then on the on the in the car on the way to the wedding I make Audrey who is my amazing second shooter um I make her drill me on the names and then she also stands like behind my ear kind of like um Emily Blunt double wears Prada style yeah. like as if I'm Meryl Street and, yes, and, and Audrey is in my ear and she's like Next up is dad. His name is Bob and his wife is Jane. And I'd be like, Bob and Jane, Bob and Jane, come on over. And the parents that's are a, that's a great oh thing. Oh my God, that. how does she know the names? And I'm like, that's very Lord. good. You do that. Yeah, that, that's, that's admirable. Very hats off to you for doing that and, and doing the homework. <laughs> that's the day of knowing names. That's very, very good. Very smart. It's also one of the, the pluses of shooting less weddings. You know, when you've yeah. got 35 clients in a year that you've got to manage, like you can't, yeah. you can't have the one hour homework assignment and then study no. it and learn all the dynamics of every family. But when you're doing 15 to 20 and you know, you've got a week or two in between each wedding, you can really like get to know the people and understand yeah. their story and then tell their story in a, in a more accurate way because you understand all the intricacies. Yeah. Yeah. It all depends it's, on your business model. Yeah, it is like a luxury, but but because I do less weddings, I charge more money. But they kind of expect me to know the names. So, so, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> granted, granted. But okay. From from going back to what I said though, to me, and I've said this in the past, I love the clock of the day. I love the time frame. When <laughs> when the maitre d says you got to, I need them by this time. You say okay, and you you go to a couple and you go, hey, we're a little pressed for time with family photos. We have we have twenty minutes now to get this done. Please rally up who you want, and yeah. it's, it's got to be up to you to who you decide who is important to you. Do you want photos of? Don't please don't make it my my. I, it's like I said, it's in the contract, and then it's in the checklist that they signed the week before the wedding. I, I've been I've been have fingers point at me so many times in the past. You didn't take a photo of me, and my grandmother. I'm like my my initial response is, okay, you're correct. I didn't. My other response is. <laughs> <laughs> which is could be infinite. How do I know you even like your grandmother, or your grandmother even likes you? I, mean, I don't know this stuff. Different different strategies for different folks. <laughs> and I'll get it. I'll make. I'll get it done. All right. Uh, we have. Um, uh, let's. I think probably just with. Uh, we'll end with Val's questions, and maybe we'll, let's go quick with them to see what our initial responses are, and then I think we'll we'll wrap up there. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious why she's even asking this. Uh, do you put a limit on invoice amounts? Like if a couple wanted to make payments, do you tell them $500 increments or let them charge however much they want each invoice? Well, that's like what you were saying earlier about how you don't want to be paid until the end. Yeah, you could split it up <laughs> over three. But my my quick response to that is just no. You So like my, pay, my final payment isn't due until 21 days before the wedding. But if my couple wants to make payments along the way, you can pay yeah. whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah, of course. She said she's concerned about the the like the fees on like the credit card fees but like if you're going to accept a credit card anyway you're going to get that whatever yeah. percentage it is on each invoice so if, if you're if it's a thousand dollars they're paying and it's you know two percent that the credit card is going to take 
then it's going to be 2% on 1,000 or 2% on 500, 2% on 200. So who cares? It doesn't Pay matter what when it is. You, want, you know? Yeah. So that's my Ask for a check. Ask for a check. Um, I don't, do we want to get into the sole proprietor LLC thing? Is there any, I'm a sole proprietor. I don't, you can go LLC if you want to. Uh, I'm incorporated. Yeah. So this is more like, it's just because of the building and all. If you're a sole proprietor, um, make sure you have lots of good liability insurance. Yeah. yeah. I'm an, I'm an LLC, but like, just because that was what my attorney right. advised me at the time. Right. <laughs> Lindsay, what are you? Lindsay? I'm a sole proprietor as well, and so not for any particular reason. Sole proprietor is different than LLC. So it's yeah, slightly yeah. different. It also depends on the state, but I think like the main thing, like like Andy mentioned, is like if you're a sole proprietor, unless you have appropriate insurance, it means people can kind of come after. Like if they decide you, to sue you, yeah, they can like come after you, right? Yes. Yeah. So whereas, your assets are all tied. Yeah. Yes. Whereas if you're an LLC, limited liability construction. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy, pulling out the acronym, the limited liability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, don't, I, I was LLC at first, and I became incorporated right away because of. Uh, yeah. I there, don't know. There's no reason. This is even interesting too, because when I first started, I thought that you had to have like a business name and a business banking account and all that. You don't necessarily need to, as long as you're reporting the income. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, if you're, you can be a sole proprietor, and you don't even need a DBA. You can just be you. You can be running your I business. I think you need name. the DBA to get your sales tax certificate, though, don't you? Yeah. You have to be at least doing business as, as uh, something. To get a sales, New York State sales tax? Or like for I'm pretty state, sure. Anyway. Yeah. I did that. Um, I, I remember having state. to do that first. Yeah. But, I, but then I also yeah. remembered hearing that you don't need the DBA, but I I, I don't know, whatever. But the point I think is. It also is, depends on the state. It like, depends on the state I, overall. I know, I know yeah. to open a business bank account, I had to have a DBA and an EIN. Right. So, sales tax. Yeah. yeah. So either way, um, I, is if you are a sole proprietor, that's that's totally fine. So long as you realize your assets are tied together, and you if you screw up, people can come over your after your assets. So that's why you have to have your liability insurance and and really you know be okay with knowing th- that you know. But if you want to limit your liability, then you go LLC or do one of these other things. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I like the sole proprietor because then it's easier to just kind of do what you want when you want. But with you have to follow more rules when you're. When you're under incorporated or whatever um and then last yeah. question and then we're going to wrap things up uh, do you require your second shooters to be official businesses with insurance i know it's obvious that it's the right thing to do but what if you're working with new second shooters all the time how do you bring up those questions without sounding like you're grilling them and making them out to be like bad business owners um we but, talked about this didn't we i don't know did we yeah we talked about second shooter thing a while ago um in short, it, it I would just say whatever whatever you wanted whatever the you want to do as the you being the photographer just just enforce it. And if the, if your second shooter questions it, be like, I'm sorry, this is what I want to do as a business, what I feel safe doing, and then you got to you got to go with it. You can go we whoever wrote that can go back and and look. We definitely talked about this within this year, I think the second shooter thing in depth. Remember we had the whole second shooter yeah, contract well, technically, thing? Technically, so this is regarding to like the 1099 thing. So like if you're going to 1099 people, they technically should have should be their own businesses. No, that's not. No, you they can, could be you personal. Can you can 1099 someone as a sole proprietor. Yeah, of so, course. Um, well, yeah, so, that's what I mean. But yeah. Right. Just as a, as a human, yes. You, I paid you can, over I mean, $600. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. They just, the only difference to them is that if they are 
either not doing business as someone like they have to give you their personal social security number, which like that's Don't. required. You just give them a W2. But um, if they're like, I have second shooters and I just always message them at the end of the year. And I'm like, Hey, do you guys, Am I doing the 1099 as you personally or your business? And it, I don't care as long as I file the taxes. Right. But I think the point is, is that I think the reason why this is a question is because it's gone around in different groups that that should you ever get audited or should the government ever look at people that we are 1099 that the government may decide, hey, this person doesn't really look like they have their own business. They look more like an employee. And because they look more like an employee, you really shouldn't be 1099 in them. You really should be treating them as employee, you know, paying them benefits and all that kind of stuff. And yes. but but it's easier from 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 the standpoint of if you were ever be audited or the government ever did crack down on these 1099 things, that if it's there, if it's an actual legitimate business that 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 you can kind of prove that is that they're going to have a harder time fighting fending that off. And I think that's why that that question has made the rounds. I don't necessarily know that that you know that that's definitely true or not and 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 in my case i've never specifically like you know people that i have worked with technically they could be because look what i just said you don't really even need the dba really like like if you're if you're you're collecting business income it is what it is right so i don't know let me chime in on this uh, no no government's going to say hey that should be or a tax person is going to come in and say hey that person should be an employee unless they're legally an employee period that's it well as a, as a corporation i've had I've, I've crossed that line before you, you can 1099 someone as much as you want right. all year round every year yes but i'm but not going to question it there's been there's been lots of talk over the years like in california especially like some i guess some stuff happened like within the past year right. that yeah. that, I that in new york yeah, state that that they were really concerned that that they weren't going to let people 1099 and and everybody and it was going to be a real issue and and right new york state often follows california you know with all the stuff and and it's it's a real concern and that's kind of the 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 reason why people are kind of scared about that because if because we in our businesses you know if i don't know about you guys but for me my second shooters i have like a few main different people that i use and if i had to treat them like employees that would change my pricing that would change but the time commitment that i have that invested in all that so it would be a big deal if we had to my, we my yeah yeah, my understanding is that um, the most important thing for a second shooter to give you is for the ideally to be a contract and for them to invoice you for every job. So you can't just randomly write them a check. Yes. You need like an invoice that tracks back to the yes. to the payment. And then um, it doesn't, to my knowledge, they don't have to be like their own business. Um, I think it's more the can you 1099 them is are they working literally as an independent contractor or are you giving them a, like a ton of instructions? And, you know, so there's a, there's a whole definition about whether you're an employee or not. And it's not to do with whether you're your own business or not. It's about the actual direction that they're given. Yes. So as in, as in, if you say to them, Hey, the wedding's at four o'clock in Boston, just shoot some good stuff. That's like an independent <laughs> contractor because you're you're like you know I'm trusting you to use your own judgment. Whereas if you're like here are here's a list of 500 images you have to shoot and I want to see your, the back of your camera every five minutes, yep. then that's more of an employee situation. But yep. again, I'm not like a, a, an employment attorney, so. Well, but, but but what you're mentioning though, Leah, is online somewhere. You can look at um, whatever those rules are yeah. on the federal basis of 1099 yeah. people, and it'll say it's very clear. It's very clear. So as long as you're following those rules, and I think also what you mentioned with the invoicing, if if you had your second shooters invoice you for it, that helps legitimize the the whole look of it, you know, as far as what's actually happening there. So, and that's the insurance part as well. 
having if they have their insurance, yeah. then that helps to prove that they are their own entity doing their own thing. Yeah. But to answer the second half of Vale's question, how do you bring up these questions without sounding like you're grilling them? Don't be afraid of that. Like people have to learn at some point that they need to be a legitimate business. And you asking very reasonable questions like, do you have your own insurance? Maybe that will feel like a, a red flag to, to them. Like, oh, no, you know, and, and all of a sudden they're going to get their act together because you've asked them a difficult question. Like, they're not going to think you're a bad person. And who cares if they do? They're jerks. Overall, we <laughs> overall, we we've made some good points. We can't definitively answer the question at state to state, really. It, it, it really is. Well, I mean, we just know New York. And but, federal as well. That, that's, uh, that's more that too, federal, of course, of course, so. of course, of course. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's going to wrap things up for tonight. Yeah. Yeah. This was a good episode. We came in with like not much in the basket and we kept talking. We're given, we're, look, look at all this knowledge we're handing out today. Free information. <laughs> Free wedding photography fun. information. On this the is fun. So, so many times I have like just lots of online conversations. So it's nice to actually be able to like talk, talk. So yeah, I think it's great that you guys do this. Basically, this is like those online group chat things that like go through <laughs> all those groups, right? And and it's like, oh my God, it gives you a headache. Oh, I can't handle this anymore. Except it's, it's real with real yeah. people here we are having the real actual conversations we're uniting over all that wedding photography night chat stuff that happens. <laughs> um leah thank you so much for uh jumping on and saying hi and and being a part of our crazy episode today thank you thank you for having me yeah Bye. leah you're great thank you this was thank fun you. um and actually we'll start with you uh, leah where can people find you if they're interested in following you online on social media where can they go uh so leahaydock.com and that's h-a-y-d-o-c-k and then on social media facebook or instagram um at leahaydock photography awesome uh jimmy where can people find you uh website is jamesferrara.com and at jferrarafoto is all the social platforms thanks wonderful and ms daddario i am daddario.com yes boom that's awesome you own that that <laughs> that last name like that. That's it. That's great. <laughs> uh, and find me on Instagram, Lindsay at work. Lindsay with an A at work. And my name is Andy Buscemi. The last name is like the actor Steve Buscemi. Every time I use my credit card, I go to pay with my credit card. And I'm like, hey, are you related to Any Steve? relation? And the first few years, I'm like, no, I'm not related to Steve. And then like, like the later years, I'm like, yes, I am related to Steve. I eat Thanksgiving dinner with Steve. He comes over every year. Sometimes I just, I just like mess yeah, with people brother. now because like I'm so I, – like I love it. It's fun. It's a good time. You know. But come on. Yeah. I'm just trying to use my credit card, get people. Um, no. So my name is Andy. And the last name is Buscemi, B-U-S-C-E-M-I. And you can Google me and find my Instagram and all that good stuff that way. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. This has been episode number 128 of Wedding Photographers Unite. And we will Peace out. Bye. 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 Thank you, guys.